You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hey guys, Basa Gordon here. It is time for another episode of Rewind with Basa. This is actually a really dope episode. I have not interviewed uh, an actress in a minute, let alone a uh, freaking retired pro golfer. And she's a black woman. <laughs> this is going to be super duper amazing. I have some amazing questions to ask her about this film that she's going to be in, along with some fitness questions and just so much more because she's also from Seattle. So I definitely have to ask her about how it feels to be back in the city and some of her favorite spots to eat at because you guys know I am always hungry. So with that being said, right after the intro, we have Andia Winslow. Hello, Andia. Hello, Basil. How are you? I am good. Now, I'm happy that you actually came in today rather than last week because it was raining. <laughs> Listen, I asked the universe for some sunshine. I said, I'm coming home. I've not been here in a minute. I want some sun. So this is why we're getting this right That's now. right. It's on, it's on me. Literally was talking <laughs> to a program director yesterday and I was like, this is not normal. I'm a little worried for the summertime. Like typically around this time of year, as you know, it's raining. It's a little chilly. I don't even have a coat today. I mean, I have this, but that's just in case I'm here super late. Like it's it's nice outside. Real pleasant. Mountains in the distance. Yeah. Gleaming. And you can actually see them. Yes, you can see them. <laughs> Air is clear. It's no nice. No smoke. No debris. It's beautiful. Where are you typically at these days? Like, Right now I'm on the road. I'm a, I got a month tour right now. So after this, I'm going to Atlanta and then Connecticut. I just came from New York City. But right now I'm here in your presence and very glad to be here. I am loving I'm it. I live in LA. How long are you in town? How, I'm here. When's the, the event's on the 18th? Yeah. Uh, what day is it today? 17th? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. 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 Saturday the 18th. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> uh, I'm here through, I think, Tuesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when was the last time you were in Seattle? I was here in October. I have a new nephew. And so I came to see him. But it was smoky and dreary last time I was here. So yeah, it was nasty. So I'm glad to. Uh... Can we bring her mic a little closer? Oh, sorry. Yep. Sorry, I'm doing your job. No, you're good. Cool. Um, That's always dope to like be able to see family. It's so crazy. Like even living here, I don't see my family as much as I used to just because they're in Renton. I'm on South Lake Union. I'm like, that's just so far. Is it though? I don't drive. It's far. Okay. like it's not that far it wasn't that bad when I actually drove but nowadays I don't drive anymore so it's kind of far um so here's the thing that I thought was super dope about you is that you are a retired pro golfer and me and my friends have been talking about how we really want to find a way even though I don't know how to golf but I want to learn how to make it cool for black people like it's one of those things where there's so many different sports where I feel like sometimes we cut ourselves out of it just because we don't know anyone that's doing it Mm -hmm. or we don't see ourselves on the screen and then we instantly feel like oh we can't do that that's not for us you know and it's like no it's just that there maybe it's a little bit more expensive, you know, like with ballet to where it's like you have amazing, you know, black and Latina ballerinas, but there's not a lot because, you know, even when I interviewed Amanda Morgan, she said it was hard for her to get to P&B because she lives so far, mm-hmm. which also makes it to where it's a little bit harder for more black people to do some of these things. So I'm honestly curious to know how you got into golfing. Well, I got into golf, thankfully, through a program started by the First State Golf Association. Mm-hmm. So what people fo- folks should first know is that in Seattle and around the country, 
black folks, folks of color were not allowed to play on golf courses. You know, there's this big separation between life, life work, servitude usually for folks of color and recreation. And white folks made it a point to make sure that black folks could not recreate in their similar spaces. So mm -hmm. there was a group of men um, founded by, and one of them was Wilbert Ponder, my first golf coach. And he said, we have this cohort of people who want to play golf, who are passionate about the game, who love the camaraderie of the game. How can we get ourselves involved in the game, even though we've been uh, separated from and removed from? So in 1947, they started a golf club called the First State Golf Association. And after that, in the 50s, the rules changed in Seattle where they allowed people of color to play on public golf courses and to recreate publicly. And so then it kind of opened it up. But they had this black golf club. And also there was Japanese folks involved in it, too, Japanese intern folks. And they just were a cohort of people who loved golf. And they played together and had a, a golf, a, a club, a club. And they played at Jefferson Park. There's also one um, in Portland called Leisure Hour. And so these are just black folks who love golf, men and women. And they came together. They bought a, a, a residential home in the CD. And they would meet there for meetings and have minutes and all this stuff. So they just loved the game. Um, they supported uh, professional black golfers who were on tour. They supported junior golfers. And so they had a junior golf program and I was in that, in that organization. Wow. And so I learned how to play starting at age 10. I was one of those little rugrats, always there at the clubhouse, always falling behind the elder, elder men usually. And I would say that when I was growing up, my best friends were like mean age, like 73. <laughs> <laughs> it was like me and old men <laughs> playing golf. And that was at Jefferson Park golf, uh, golf course up on Beacon Hill. Now, what made you want to get into golf at the age of 10? Uh, my parents had me in every activity. I was doing pottery and, and dance and kung fu and tennis uh, and art. And I just love the fact that golf was outside. I love being outside. Yeah. It changed every day. I love nature. And then you get to meet friends and you get to travel. And I just love that part of it. And it was an eternal challenge. It was never the same. Mm. It always changed. Conditions were different, whether it was raining or it was windy or you know, there was undulating grounds and I just loved it. I loved the fact that I couldn't master it, which meant it was always something to be to improve upon. That is so dope. What was like the hardest thing for you to get into when it came to like learning golf over the years and just continuing to like perfect? Uh, golf, as you know, Dana, <laughs> golf is physical. Mm -hmm. It's also mental. Mm. In fact, the mental part is what surpasses the physicality in terms of like improving or not or taking yourself out of the game or not. So for me, being a perfectionist growing up, because I was always trying to control things mm -hmm. and golf is not to be controlled. You're not trying, you, 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 it's counterintuitive. You think if I try harder, things will get better. But in golf, it's the exact opposite. The harder you try, the worse things get. So for really? me, it was kind of being able to marshal my forces without being so controlling and constricting in, in a sense. So, and that's, that's how my life is to this day. I'm like, the more I try to control, the less flow I find. And the less flow I find, the more I'm not in my own zone. So I'm trying to, find ways to like actually take that lesson learned from golf and apply it to my life in general. So is that like the moment that you realize like, hey, I can't like control everything because I feel like that's a really dope realization. Like even with me trying to get in radio, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. this is the time is not right right now. Like you still need to simmer for a little bit longer. When so you like, say moment, can moment be like a moment over time? Mine was a moment over time. Okay. <laughs> a collection of moments. Mine was definitely a moment of t over time because like the station came and went and it, mm. it was literally when I came, there was like nothing that was available, but it was still what I wanted. And then it was gone and then it came back and then it was gone. And then when it finally came back again, I knew that there were some spots available. You were ready by that That time. was when I was ready. Yep. But in my head, I was like, what is going on? But it was out of my control. I think realizations come with age and life experience. I yeah. mean, if I knew 
Now, what I knew then, well, I, I would I would have bottled it and sold it, and I would have been Paul Allen. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I think it's, looking back, I'm like, man, there were so many mistakes and growth opportunities, but this journey has been circuitous, and I couldn't have envisioned it any other way. I'm here in, at the time I'm supposed to be here, so I can't even second guess it. My past self would have been like, why? Why not now? Why did this not happen? Why did this happen? But again, with age, experience, and just life perspective, I think you're able to slow down and, and sit back in the cut and say, hey. It's all right. It was meant to be this way in, in this time. So I'm cool with it. I'm curious to know if you're still reading like a book every day. A I book like, every day? Not a full book. Oh. But I was listening to one of your interviews <laughs> and you were like, you you like read a book every day or like mm. you read. Like, I'll read every day. Yeah. Yes, I definitely do. And that's a practice that I'm really, really focused on this year, especially because I find that I read so much for work um, that the reading takes me out of the scrolling, it takes me out of com the comparison between other people's lives. It takes me out of the stress of what's happening in the news cycle. So reading is an escape. Reading is a way to center myself. Reading is a way to kind of return to my foundation and give me joy in a way that's that's separate from the musings and the, the busyness of everyday life. So I do read and it's all kinds of books. I read, you know, in L.A. they have these things called free little libraries people put outside their houses. What? Yeah, so you just walk by na uh, your neighbor's house and they'll have like all kinds of books. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read this this sci-fi young adult And then you book. just bring and it back when it. you're ready. Bring, yeah, change it, exchange it. Okay, I'm going to read this this biography about this pilot over here. I'm going to read this kid's book for kicks. I'm just going to, I'm just trying to fill my brain with as much knowledge as possible just because I'm a curious person. It just really centers me, I think. I just, so, what's been like your top three books that you've gotten into this year? There's a book that I read every year at the top of the year called Tuesdays with Maury. And mm. it's a, it's a classic. It's about this man who goes to see his mentor as his mentor is dying. Oh, wow. And it's, it's not even a long read. It's a short read, but it's very poignant. And it kind of centers me and reminds me of the gratitude of the now. Um, what else did I read? Uh, a good book I read was called housekeeping. That was written like 40 years ago. It was really very uh, visual. Like the first paragraph, I was like, Oh my God, like it was, just blown away with the way this woman wrote it was just I could visualize everything I could smell I could see I could taste so that yeah it's just like I didn't need to see it on the screen it wasn't provided for me. my brain took her words and made the image it was so like she painted it yes. with letters basically yes it was it was really great and um, what else am I reading what I pick up recently uh, uh, I found at the airport in New York the other day the piano teacher so I'm gonna read that this week so just like always have my eye on, on the swivel for books and I don't know I love it and it's like all kinds of books to where it's all not kinds. just like, oh, I'm only reading self-help book. Like I'm reading books mm -hmm. because, I mean, pretty much you can gain something from pretty much any kind of book. These oh, yeah. Days. Oh, yeah. Um, curious. So what made you go into retirement from golf? <laughs> and, and, do you really, and let me ask you this. Do you really feel like you're ever retired? That word, I think, it is, is more from the original meaning. I think retired usually used to mean the end. Yeah. Like close the chapter, close the book. But now retirement can mean pivot. Retirement mm. can be put on ice. Retirement can mean I'm done with this in this capacity for now. So I think I retired from golf in the sense that I no longer wanted that to be my adventure. I, I've chosen other adventures. And who knows what can happen with golf. I can re-enter golf as a teaching professional, which I, I was. I can re-enter golf as, as a competitor. You know, at this point now, there's the whole influencer circuit of, of golf people. So I retired from what I was doing at that time mm. to do other things that piqued my interest at that time. So retirement, we'll just say, took a break from. Okay. Take it, taking a break from. And, you <laughs> know, I pretty much said the same thing to uh, KJ Wright because he was recently inducted into, I want to say, like the Seahawks Hall of Fame earlier this year. 
And when I was talking to him and I was like, you know, I said something, something retired. And then I was like, wait, I don't even really want to call you retired because I don't really feel like athletes are really ever retired. Like, I feel like you're always kind of doing something and you might like dibble and dabble again mm-hmm. one day, just maybe not in the next five years. I think football, basketball, golf, you know, soccer, sports that are more physically laborious are more based on age. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get older in those sports, your joints go injuries and you get replaced by younger, fresher, faster feet. But golf, the great thing about golf is it really is the equalizer. You can play with an 80 year old who just whoops your tail because they have finesse. Mm. So golf, I think you can play in the sport longer. I mean, you can be Tiger Woods and be in your 40s and still be a contender. That's not the same in football. You're not going to see someone who's an O-lineman playing playing football in in the trenches at 40. You're just not going to. So you can age out of those those sports. But in golf, it's really a game of a lifetime. And that's another reason why people love it, because you can you can kind of remix your intentions based on what your skills are okay so i'm not as strong so i don't hit the ball as far but man i'm, I'm a magician i'm an artist around the greens and i score yeah. there so that's why golf it's never really it's retirement it's more like a, a shift of focus maybe mm. if that makes any sense so do you ever like do it to relax oh yeah yeah that's what i do it now and, and when i do it to relax now i don't i don't even have my phone i'm not taking pictures and selfies i'm just like this is my peace space isn't you know, that just such a funny feeling when the a, phone is somewhere yes. just else? Like, yeah. It's like when I do golf, it's analog. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it to impress. I'm not doing it to, to you know, get remuneration. I'm really just like, this brings me joy. It reminds me of where I came from. It reminds me of happier times in my life or happy times in my life. And it's peaceful. But the minute I'm like, okay, and you know, here's some swing to... It becomes, it becomes a job. It becomes, you know, something that's not... It's it's like in golf, what we do is oftentimes, let's say it's like the sun's going down, you have some time off of work, you're like, I'm going to go play nine holes by myself. Mm-hmm. There might be some wild animals running around, you're just like, wow, it's peace. But the minute you bring the phone out, it's like now I'm back in the grid, and I was trying yeah. to unplug. So for me, golf is now something I do with my friends, you know, to break bread, it's it's community, it's it's peace. And I try to keep this away when I do golf. I love that. And I'm honestly working about keeping this away even when I wake up in the morning. Oh, yeah. Like I was just talking to someone about like trying to find a way to get an alarm that's not my phone, Mm -hmm. you know, so that way it's like the first thing I touch automatically has to be my phone because I. but it's like I don't even want to do that. I just Mm want to sit do my morning meditation because once I start scrolling on Instagram, I'm not even like the meditation is like an afterthought now when it's like, that should have been the first thing I did as soon as I woke up rather than being like, Oh, I have an extra hundred likes on my phone from last (laughs) night. Like what? (laughs) Like that's not right back in it all all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, And like, sometimes I feel like the day ends up being a little lopsided when you start that way. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you didn't, you didn't fully center the way that you needed to. So what are you going to do to make sure you don't do that? Are you gonna put it on the other side of the room, a different room? Are you You going to go bed? I, I'm thinking about going back to where I used to sleep with my phone on airplane mode. Mm -hmm. So that way, even if I do click it to see like what time it is, I'm not seeing none of the notifications. Mm -hmm. Then buying like an external alarm clock. You know what I mean? Like right now my phone (laughs) is my alarm clock. And so it's like, I, I genuinely need to get a real alarm clock. That way, this is genuinely not the first thing I'm touching as soon as I wake up in the morning. Right. Um, so Let yeah. us know how that goes. I, I, I will. I will report back. <laughs> so, okay. I think it's really dope that you're also a, uh, do they, they're, they're called voice actors, right? Yes. And you're like one of the top ones. And this is something that started during the pandemic? Or- Pre-pandemic, but it, it reached 
a fever pitch during the pandemic because I was ready. So like what made you want to get into voice acting from, I mean, like golf and voice acting are like definitely two different things, but it doesn't mean that the same person can't do it or let alone have interest in both. Right. So when I was living, I was living in New York City and I was uh, so I should probably back up a little bit. So golf is a sport. Um, but I was also an elite athlete. So I was a, mm. a runner and I was also doing a developmental sport called skeleton, which is an Olympic sliding sport. So I was living up in upstate New York and I would take my respite in Manhattan and Manhattan. You've been to New York city. You know, it's like once, once <laughs> you got to go back. It's just live. The energy of people, it's just, there's just so much going on and you kind of feed, especially as a young person, you feed off the energy. Like, Oh my gosh, there's so much happening. I wanted to experience it. And so I had to find a way to get down in the city and to be able to live down there and pay my rent. Cause rent is, is crazy. So I thought, well, why don't I be a fitness professional because I'm already in the sports performance world. So I was a fitness professional and I was coaching runners for the New York City Marathon and somebody heard me and that person was an agent. Mm -hmm. And they said, you've got a really nice voice, but besides the dulcet tones, you know how to tell a story. Mm. And that's really what it is. It's, it's motivating people to buy, do, to listen, to move, to be moved. And so well, my boyfriend got me um, voiceover lessons and the, the coach was like, hey, I think you've got something here you should consider doing more than recreating. I was him and a hot. I'm like, nah, you know, I'm, I'm cool over here. I'm doing my thing. But then I, I booked a, a role being a voice of one of the PBS uh, affiliates. Mm. And I was like, wait, I'm in my closet with my rig in my pillow fort. <laughs> you know, talking. <laughs> I know what you're <laughs> you know, talking about. You know, pillow fort, you know, the pillows, the Afghan, the comforters, all stuffed in a little tight. Sometimes I go in between my clothes. Yes. And in, in literally in the closet. I call it Closet Chronicles, right? So I'm in there and then the next thing you know, this this is airing around the world, this this mm. thing I made. And then I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. And then I um, it was a must join for the union. So I joined SAG-AFTRA and I had that lump of money. And I said, well, I'm a, I wanted to come back west anyway. I'm from the West Coast. I'm from Seattle. I want to come back west. So I used that chunk of money to move to L.A. Mm. And then I spent the next year just studying. I took all the voiceover classes. I've read all the vlogs. I've read all the books. I just immersed myself fully for a year. And then the pandemic hit. But I had my home studio set up and I was ready to go. And then things kind of started to ramp up. So it went from golf, sport, fitness, whatever. And so I, they seemed different. They seemed like acting and sport aren't different. But athletes, foundationally, we're built to follow instructions. Mm -hmm. We're built to do as we're told. We're built to pivot. And that's what I did as an athlete. And so the transition for me was actually pretty seamless. Whereas a lot of folks who are in this business are actors and it's very emotional. They take things personal. I was like... Do it again a different way. Got you. Say less. Say le literally say less. And so I was able to pick it up quickly. And as a result, I've had a pretty um, and I also work hard, but I um, found pretty, pretty early success. And you result. studied. I studied. Yes. You know, it's like I I don't know why, but I think that certain people assume that with something like voice acting, you can just go into it. But it's like it's it's like normal acting. Yeah, you just don't see me. That's right. And honestly, I feel like it's even it's even harder because like when you have the visual, you're able to see my hands and you're able mm -hmm. to see my expression. In this case, you have to hear my hands. You have right. to hear my expression. Exactly. You have to hear my emotion. Otherwise, it's like, OK, well, that was flat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not buying your flat tummy tea. OK, <laughs> that was not sellable for me, ma'am. Please do that again. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean. The amount of stuff I do, and now usually when I'm on the mic, I stand. But the amount of stuff I do on mic, people are like, why are you so physical? But again, the physicality from sport informed my physicality in acting. And that's why when people hear me, they're like, oh, I, I heard your voice and I cried. Why did I cry? I'm like, because I made you cry. Like, how did I do that? Well, I cried myself when I was reading that. And that's why you cried. So it's mm -hmm. getting the listener. Oftentimes what they're hearing is right inside their, their ear canal. So how can you be sensitive to that? How can you 
get into someone's brain or into their heartstrings. And that's, that's, it's a, it's a craft. It's a, it's, it's, um, these are skills, it's a skill set I've learned over time and I continue to hone. So, I mean, the same goes with acting, you know, you're trying to get someone to be moved, mm. whether it's in a commercial sense, if it's a PSA, it's a, you know, a community sense, or if it's a, an entertainment sense, that is my job as an artist is to get you to do something, to feel something, to go somewhere. And it's, it's really fulfilling for me. Do you have any advice for someone that wants to get into voice acting or would it really just be like, yo, study, practice, take mm. the classes and then try to reach out? The first thing I would say is for people to understand the distinction between having a nice voice mm -hmm. or a resonant voice and being able to tell a story. If you can't tell a story, voiceover may not be for you. You having a nice voice is not enough. But then can you read? And I always show like, can you read good? <laughs> If you cannot string together sentences and if you don't have no, if you don't have reading comprehension, you've got to start there. So I would suggest they read every day, read everything, menus, text messages, billboards, t uh, you know, the captions on your IG, read and read aloud so that you can hear what your voice sounds like and see what genres you're in. The next thing would be to actually go do some market research. What's playing on the commercials? What, mm. what, what are, the, what are the, the types? Guy next door, girl next door, friend in the know, a professorial person. And then what genres would you fit in? Do you want to do animation? Do you want to do video games? Do you want to do interactive AR, VR? Do you want to do uh, spoken word? Do you want to do documentary narration, in-show narration? Do you want to do anime? Because these are all different audiobooks, long-form narration. These are all different types of voiceover that require different, uh, different types of craft. Mm. So just figure out where you think you fit in, what type of voice you have. And then you just have to read that all the time and, and, um, and speak aloud all the time. That's how you start. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And also, and the, I think that sometimes people mess up because they don't like to hear their own voice, mm -hmm. which makes it to where they're not listening back to how they sound mm -hmm. because they feel so cringe about it. And it's like, well, if you feel cringe, fix it. <laughs> like, right. You know right. what I mean? Like you have to be okay with yeah. your voice. Why else would anyone else be? If you don't even like your voice, right. if you feel like it sounds cringe, if you feel like it doesn't sound believable, it's not really going to work. But I feel you, like you be able might, to listen back to you it. You might have a career in VO, Vesa. I've thought about it. I just don't know where to start. I mean, you start I have there. a whole... I you have, talk every day? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can start doing the market research. Yeah. You start listening. Because yeah. I think a lot of people who go from radio to the interview are like, oh, I could do it because I speak all the time, but it's not the same. No, it's, it's definitely same. not. Like, even if I have like a, a commercial that I have to read for, it's hard. Like, mm -hmm. you know what? I punch in, I punch out, I do my 10 second breaks and I'm like, damn, I got a script. <laughs> let yeah. me read this a few times let me figure mm. out what type of vibe i'm supposed to get for this i had like a serious like mental health one mm. that was probably the hardest voiceover that i've ever done in my life because i'm so used to just being so up and so yeah. animated and i'm like hey guys and then for that one i was hey like hey guys well. are you depressed <laughs> well <laughs> hey guys here to tell you <laughs> it, it came out great but oh, oh man that took up that was probably i feel like yeah that had to be the longest one that it ever took me to record but yeah Mar bookmark it. that bookmark that yeah. put a pin in it mm -hmm. okay um real quick before we go into like some acting stuff or shall i say some more acting stuff fitness do you still do your fitness videos on youtube i don't do them on youtube uh i i was that was my like my new york city vibe i mean mm. it was new york city again i was inspired by the colors and the sounds and where i lived harlem and like nice bright videos those yeah like, see what you mean by the yeah, colors. I was just like look at the people and there's like languages everywhere and everyone's just on one and the community is like loving on each other and it was just like those videos were a love letter to living in spanish harlem or living mm. in bed-stuy brooklyn those were love letters um 
at this point, I don't really have the time to do it in that capacity. We're thinking about kind of being, doing a redux and doing like a, a feature film of the, the, the videos. But right now, um, my exercise, my modalities are for my own mental health. And also, I don't have any time. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> Come on, exercise for mental health. And that's something that I don't know what it is. But sometimes I have like the craziest manifestation moments when I'm like working out. Yeah. Did that ever happen for you? Yes, yes. There's a brain and body. They're connected. Mm. The more physical you are, the more acute you will be in your thinking. And, and the more you'll be, your brain and your body will be synchronized. So if you want to be smarter, if you want to be more in tune at work, if you want to be more creative, exercise. I mean, there is there are scientific longitudinal studies that are linking these two things. So, yes. Interesting. Walk, well, run, ride. At least I know I'm not crazy. Up, I'm box, like, man, sometimes dance. the visions and the ideas, they just start flowing. And I'm like, yeah. well, maybe I should do another 15 minutes of cardio so I can finish out this thought. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, okay. Right now you are in Seattle for yes. playing through. Mm-hmm. It is, it's not even really a movie. It's more like a documentary, but it isn't a documentary. No, it's a live action movie. It's a live action movie. Okay. It is, and it's presented by the Pro Shop. And the Pro Shop is an organization that supports women who are in the ACE fields, architecture, construction, engineering, to get them more involved in golf and leadership positions. Folks don't realize that golf is kind of a gatekeeper. There, mm. there are business deals done on the golf course. There are relationships built. And if you're not there, if you're not on the course and you're not in the, in, the, in the mix, you're being excluded. So this organization founded by Dana Kimball's helps get people in the game so they can be part of the conversation and move their careers forward. The film is about a woman named Ann Gregory and another woman named Babs Watling, who are two women from the 50s who played golf, who just really wanted to be competitive athletes. They wanted to express themselves in an, in an athletic way. And so we're bringing that film to here to support the Pro Shop and the Jackie Robinson Foundation. So it's it's a film about women's empowerment that's that's reflecting real life women's empowerment on the golf course. Interesting. Now, I was watching um, the preview of it and it definitely seems like there's there's some racism in the movie. <laughs> well, there's a lot of racism in the movie. That's a bit of an understatement if you see the preview. But I've always wanted to know in movies like that, where you are dealing with that type of racism, how do you separate the two on and like in and out of like filming? Okay, I got a question for you. I got a question for your question. Do you? What do you mean? I mean, how do you separate? I'm a black woman living in America. Can I separate it? Well, no, but I think more so of what I mean is you have this co this coworker that is your actor that's calling you the N word and everything like that. That's on okay. on film, but it's mm-hmm. like this is your vibe during the film. Is it easy to like not still? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, what so, I mean? with that one person. So what I would say is there's, there's something called method acting where people stay in character. Although I'm not a method actor because I didn't even know what that was when I started this. <laughs> he was not a method actor. Let's say the man who was very aggressive in the film. But we stayed away from each other actually on set. Mm. Because we wanted to, we didn't want to suspend belief in between takes. Wow. So in the beginning... Hey, my name is. Hey, my name is. We understand we're playing these roles, you know, opposing each other. I got mad love for you, mad respect. I hope to get to know you. But for this filming, let's just agree to stay apart because that had me. I don't want to get too chummy and be like, cut. And, oh, what's up? Tell me, tell me. No, no. We just respectful nod and then we go to our own corners. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then also the woman that I play across, uh, uh, Julia Ray. I think she's a lovely, effervescent human being, but on set, I. Even when we were on the weekends, I did not hang out with her. Wow. Yeah, I stayed away from her so that we could keep that tension building for the for the relevance of the film. And see, 
I've always wanted to know that because I'm like, man, you just called me all types of things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're supposed to have drinks afterwards. Like, that's kind of weird. But that makes that makes a lot of sense. So it's like, were there other people on the cast that you were like, okay, I can actually be cool with you? Or is it? okay? yes. (laughs) But also it was just like those specific people where you have that kind of energy with to where that way you can keep it. As exactly. that energy, and everyone's got their own their own practice and their own and their own methods. But for me, since I was so new, I've ne- never done on camera acting before. I thought, let me use all the tools potentially available to me so that I can keep this separate. Interesting. So weekend, Julia, call you want to? Nope, sorry. Let's do that when we're done filming. Um, so that was that was helpful to me. And now the one guy who you'll find in the movie who's who's really an antagonist. This man helped me get ready for my audition for a League of Their Own, and I booked it. So like. Wow. He was hateful to me in the movie, but in real life, that man helped change the, the directory of my career. So mad love to Ronnie for that. Wow. Acting is some you know what, man. But it, it makes sense to why you would need to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, that's pretty freaking dope. Um, let me ask you this. What was the hardest part about your role? Mm, hardest part. That's a really simple seeming question, but difficult because I think Anne Gregory I know her family my family knows her family her daughter and her daughter's husband were my parents mentors which is a very small world and very circuitous how this all happened so I was stressed out because I wanted to make sure I honored her legacy mm-hmm. and I wanted to respect her and have that be something that I could present to the family in a proud way the other thing was hard was that a lot of what I was experiencing on set as Anne I'd experienced in life as Andia mm. So that was difficult because it was triggering. Um, and I relived some stuff that happened in my own career, my own life. So, you know, people are like, oh, wow, you really got into that scene. How did you find the, how did, what did you substitute to feel that way? I'm like, mm. <laughs> that was not acting. <laughs> that was a real reaction to real stimuli from my past. So I think for me, oftentimes he would see, there's especially one scene where it's very intense and like, you you're such a good actor. I'm like, am I? <laughs> am, is it? Or did you just see some, like a real That's real what moment. I did not deal with in therapy when I should have gone to therapy. <laughs> That's what you're seeing. <laughs> but it's going to be good on screen though. But you know, it read. <laughs> it read well. But yeah, so just I think understanding that oh, we have a responsibility as actors, especially in these these period pieces to represent and, and and reflect on the the legacy of people in the past who made it possible for us to be here. So like being acutely aware of how important it was, but also my place in the trajectory of the legacies, these, these legacies. It was um, sobering. It was humbling, mm. I'd say, and powerful. Would you say that that was possibly like uh, your most rewarding moment? Like what, like what would you pinpoint that be in this most role? rewarding moment? My most rewarding moment was in post, uh, post-production, when I got to go back to Anne's daughter, Joanne, and say, Miss Joanne, here's what happened. I hope I did a good job. And her saying, I watched and I saw my mom. Wow. That was, I was like, oh, shoot. You know, like that's, there's also a moment on set um, when, this is probably too heady for this conversation. I might be going too far, but like, I felt an out of body type situation where I was like mm-hmm. no longer there. And I was like, where did I go? <laughs> and she was like, well, that was my mom clearly. And I was like, Oh, 
She tapped in. Yeah, she tapped in. Like I was like tag team WWE style, and then she did her thing, and then she left. And I was like, what just happened? Because I remember that when they all cut, it was towards the end of our filming too. Like, when they all cut, I was like, whoa. And then I looked in everyone's eyes, and everyone was crying. I was like, what just happened? Like, where? What's going on? Wow. Because it was something. Something happened. Something happened in the ether, and I was there. Everyone's there, but I don't know. I wasn't there for it, so I don't know what happened because I was not there. Because but have you else- seen the scene? Yeah, I saw a cut, and I was like, oh. Okay. Did you recognize yourself? Um, that's a good question. I saw my physical self, but I was like, but that's not me. That's not me. Is that deep? Is that weird? That's not weird. I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) (laughs) I literally have two crystals in my bra right now. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) At all. (laughs) Hold on. Let me write this down. Earmuffs and crystals in my bra. <laughs> Man, you're just a wealth of knowledge and, and tips, girl. Right here. You know, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go forth after I leave. See, I'm like, you know what? I'm armed. I'm armed and ready. Got my muffs and my crystals. Oh my god! <sighs> Shoot. Next time I see you, I'm gonna be like, here's your crystal. Thank for your you. Trip. So, thank you so much. I'm ready. In your ear, in your mic, mom. <laughs> well no that's really really dope that's that's not weird that's um something that i can expect like i think anyone that really gets tapped into things like spirits are things energies are things and Mm -hmm. she was like i like her (laughs) let Mm -hmm. me let me tag team and make sure they really get this scene and it's gonna it's definitely gonna be a powerful moment when everyone actually sees it i think so um let me see if there's anything else on my list we're gonna do something real quick that i like to call six randoms with pesa Okay, let me get ready. Let me get some water. <laughs> She's like, I'm I don't ready. know what's going to happen. <laughs> ready, ready. Number one, um, how do you keep your peace in between scenes? Oh, in between scenes, my peace. I walk away from everyone in the noise. I don't engage in the beginning. I just decompress. Drink some water, clear my mind, and that's how I do it. I step away. What does your morning routine look like? Right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, get up, no phone, uh, no alarm. I uh, do this kind of body scan where I squeeze from my toes all the way up through my eyeballs. I squeeze each thing, I let it go, so that's blood flow. I do kind of like a gratitude or thankful list, and then I get up and do calisthenics. I do push-ups, I do uh, pull-ups, I do uh, abs, and do some leg work. and It's like, like seven minutes. Wow. Brush my teeth, you know, get the pearly whites, get some water, room temp, and then I'm ready to go. How do you feel about vision boards? I feel like you can see them. Mm. <laughs> A vision board for me, I don't actually do like cutouts and magazines. I actually write things down. So it's, and one thing I've started doing this year is instead of saying goals, I say plans. Because so much, so far, it's not, everything I've said I wanted, it's been realized. So I'm like, these aren't goals. It's their plans. Literally. Yeah, so I'm like a project manager of myself. So um, my vision board is like, is, is chicken scratch. It's not It's not uh, on post-it note or uh, poster board. You know what's so funny? So mine isn't, it's on sticky notes all around my apartment. <laughs> but then my vision board really is like sticky notes with writing on it. Okay. Like there's a couple pictures on it here and there, but for the most part, it's words. Like I don't yeah, know why words it made more sense for me. Like even... I had like one where it was like words here and I was like connecting words to this mm-hmm. and that. And then 
Now I'm on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> arrows and angles and stuff. Arrows, and for me too, it's like, I do simple stuff. I'm like, I want some Ivers for lunch. Now I said this this morning. I was like, you know what I want? I want some Ivers. And look, we're about to have, I mean, it's You're like literally five minutes away. Plans. <laughs> These aren't goals. These are plans. These are plans. Plans. We, we create the freaking roadmap to our lives. I said sunshine, shine. And, I, and sunshine, I was like, hey. And I was wondering why it was so nice yesterday. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay um aside from ivers what is your other favorite spot that you oh this is a really sad story there was a place downtown near the downtown near the um ballet near the space needle called bamboo garden hmm. and it was a chinese restaurant that was all vegetarian and they closed after i don't know like 30 years because they're like we're tired like, but why? <laughs> I mean, I would get to Seattle when I would visit and just take the train straight to this place and eat. And then I would be like, yo, pick me up. I'm here. I've got my luggage. Like, I would just every time again. But then it closed last year during pandemic. They just never reopened? No, I guess they really, they they had the same waiters since when I was 10 years old at this place. Oh. Until what, two years ago? Like, the exact same. They would take a break in the summer. But they were just, they were just tired of working. They were just like, we've done enough. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Sad. If you could take a vacation anywhere tomorrow, where would it be? When you say tomorrow as in this season or like tomorrow as in when it's not snowing? This season. That was that was a silly question I just asked you. Uh, Alaska. So let me get this straight. Hold on. Wait a damn minute. <laughs> Why are you questioning me? You're gonna go somewhere cold. That's why I said, like, can I can I go there, but not right now? <laughs> like, can I go there in the summer? Or I mean, like, are you asking me like, where do I want to go this year, or does it have to be like tomorrow? Where would I go? Like, if you just had nothing else to do tomorrow, and you were like, I want to go on vacation, okay, I would not go to Winter Place. You're correct. That was <laughs> silly of me. <laughs> I would go maybe like um, an island nation with with sugar loaves. Somewhere I can hike and be in a tropical forest. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You know, let's get some curry this or some some jerk that. You know, ocean, mountain, something like that. Okay. And then one misconception of Andia. Misconception. Ooh. Let me think. I'm very focused. And sometimes that yields to like people think I'm very serious and like mean, but I'm really goofy. That's the thing. I, I really enjoy life. I have fun. I just am very focused also. When I'm about my business, I'm about my business and it doesn't look like fun. But I'm also very goofy. So that's the misconception. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, shoot, friend. I'm so happy you could come see me Thank while you were in Seattle. Thanks for having me. When Playing Through comes out, make sure you guys check it out. You have a show on Amazon Prime, right? Yes. It's called The League of Their Own. And it just got picked up for season two. Make sure you check that out because we all have Amazon Prime, especially out here in Seattle, the way that we don't feel like going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) At Amazon, be like, let me order this. It'll be here in two hours. Say less.
<laughs> um, but otherwise, uh, if anyone wants to keep up with you, where can they find you at on social media? Social at Andia Winslow on Twitter, IG, Facebook. Uh, the event, they can find information on the ProShopHQ.org. ProShopHQ.org. Uh, tickets are still for, for sale. Those uh, tickets celebrate the movie and they also help uh, the Pro Shop organization and the Jackie Robinson Foundation. That's Saturday at the Egyptian Theater uh, and just in these streets. <laughs> or at Ivers. At Ivers. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so look, you guys, hopefully you learned something amazing, got inspired, or just had a good laugh because we definitely lived our best lives over here, okay? So check this out. You already know what I'm going to say. Until next time, I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. And of course, keep that energy high. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.